welcome back to Diverse Conversations. This is Ashka Patel. Thank you so much for joining me again today. And before I forget, thank you very much for your feedback, your support, and your encouragement with our last episode. Um, it's been the episode has received a lot of love, and thank you all so much for that. Um, and that motivated me to really, you know, start this new series where I will be featuring some incredible Canadian pharmacy innovators and really learning from their journey of what motivated them, what inspired them to take a path less traveled. <laughs> um, but regardless, um, you know, I feel like these journeys can inspire us to really look within ourselves and to also find out what is it that we, we really want to associate ourselves with, what work resonates with us. And I'm hoping that the series inspires just that. Featuring our first guest is none other than Risu. Ri is a pharmacist turned entrepreneur and an alum of the University of Waterloo's PharmD program. She repeatedly, after experiencing firsthand system-level barriers for pharmacists to deliver quality and proactive care in the community, she co-founded MedMe Health in 2019 with a goal to transform the delivery of pharmacy clinical services. Since then, she has worn multiple hats across product, business development, and engineering, scaling MedMe experience to support over 20 million patient services and almost 4,000 pharmacies across Canada. Re is also the co-author of nationally accredited pharmacy programs and serves as a preceptor for PharmD students at the University of Waterloo and University of Toronto School of Pharmacies. She's especially interested in improving pharmacist involvement in patient care through innovative models of virtual and interdisciplinary care and is currently authoring a series of digital health in pharmacy. You can visit more about this work at www.innovatrph.com and I will be linking it down in the description box below as well. And just to give you a bit of what MedMe has truly achieved, because I recall this venture not too far ago, um, where I had met um, Ri and um, you know we had discussed about this venture. But since then, MedMe has truly grown, and 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 you know it's one of those um, proud ventures that we can call truly Canadian. MedMe Health is building the operating system for the pharmacies of the future, transforming traditional dispensing locations into integrated community healthcare hubs. So far to date, uh, MedMe has facilitated over 20 million unique patient interactions at more than 3,600 pharmacies, including our big chains such as Rexall, Sharpish Drug Mart, Jean Coutu Group, Guardian IDA, The Medicine Shop, Remedies, Rx, and Pharmasafe. So it gives me immense pleasure to welcome Reed to the show, and I can't wait uh, for what we're going to unpack it. As I shared, Ree and I, we go a while back, <laughs> but at the same time, uh, it has been incredible to see the journey of you have, um, you know, kind of traveled in this last two years, if, if at least, um, you know, that I have known you, Ree. And let me just say that I am impressed, amazed um, at the power, um, you know, innovators and leaders, especially women leaders have in bringing a vision to life. And thank you so much for joining us today. I really look forward to your conversation. And, uh, you know, I think we have a lot to unpack. So let's start unpacking. So first of all, thank you so much for having me here. It's uh, definitely wonderful to see also what you've been able to do within the pharmacy space and in promoting and elevating voices over the last couple of years years and I'm just excited to be here and have our conversation. Oh, I love this. Thank you so much, Ree. Uh, and, you know, without further ado, let's get started. I really want to hear your journey. Um, I think that's one thing we, we definitely like to highlight because I feel like, you know, your journey inspires people um, because you, so many others may be facing the same challenges that you may have faced. And, um, you know, let's let's dive in with that aspect first. Like, you know, what was your journey like uh, from pharmacy school to where you are today? Yeah, it's always an interesting one when you kind of look back at your trajectory and um, it was never something that I had thought for myself. So I think I have to first get that out there because people ask me this all the time. And, you know, we have this archetype of founders being, I've always wanted to be a founder. I've wanted to own my own company. I've wanted to um, build this empire, but that was not me. And I, I need to make that very clear because I feel like my motivation really stemmed from wanting to make systemic change and right. wanting to make an impact at scale. And I couldn't do that. And 
I felt like I couldn't do that just practicing as a sole pharmacist. And this is this is an opportunity that came in front of me and kind of blossomed. With that said, though, um, my journey in maybe exploring non-traditional pathways within pharmacy has mm-hmm. always been present, especially during pharmacy school. Um, I just had a passion and an interest for technology, for um, looking at the way we could use different tools or innovations that were happening outside of the current like pharmacy landscape to see how we could better transform uh, our practice and better transform our workflows. And so right. I engaged and uh, was part of a number of different hackathons and uh, different student groups and uh, also looked for internships in mm. non-traditional pathways as well that really opened up my world to see what was possible and what was going on in the healthcare innovation space and what were some other uh, trailblazers doing that was different from maybe what I traditionally saw of what pharmacists did. And so that really set a foundation for my interest and some experience within the space. But I could not find an opportunity, a uh, full-time opportunity in a non-traditional space like after I graduated. And that was a very challenging thing because I felt like I had acquired all these different experiences, but I applied to all these health tech companies within the Canadian ecosystem and were just rejected because they didn't see the value that a pharmacist would bring. They just saw you as a clinician. They didn't see you as an asset that was malleable that could be kind of utilized in many different ways. And so that was very challenging for me, being this naive, um, freshly graduated individual coming in and having all these hopes and dreams of you know transforming things at scale, but kind of being rejected at every turn. And that was when I started just like taking on another variety of different experiences. I wrote blog content for a software reliability engineering company completely outside wow. of healthcare, <laughs> but completely outside of anything I had really known, but leveraging the skills of communication, research, critical thinking to create that content. And then I worked in pharmacy education mm-hmm. as well to creating CE programs that is kind of helping with uh, this uh, n- me now in pharmacy education and changing um, how people kind of view pharmacy and uh, the different technologies that come up there. So just a lot of different experiences that I had under my belt. And then one of my friends from Waterloo said, hey, um, there's this guy who's building a pharmacy startup and he'd like to talk to a pharmacist do you want to talk to him <laughs> like sure of course like let me, let me be open to all the opportunities out there right. and that's when I met Puria our CEO and wow. we had uh, quite a long conversation about our shared vision for pharmacy and after that conversation I was like hmm, there, there's something there like there's some alignment in where we want to bring pharmacy Mm. and let's kind of see how it goes and that's kind of how it all started Uh, but I think the pivotal point for me was when I met um, uh, up with Puria as well as Nick uh, our third co-founder and our head of product now for the first time like we met at the U of T pharmacy school at like on an afternoon and it ended up being like a full-on 12-hour conversation wow uh, going on (laughs) Uh, into the later later night and early morning, just talking about all of our ideas and passions for pharmacy and where we want to bring the profession and how we want to innovate through it. And that was when I really realized I found my peoples. And that's kind of how it all started and having kind of the support and momentum yes. with my co-founders to move forward and kind of innovating within this space. And if anything, that that's kind of the initial founding story uh, of of Medme and, and my own journey uh, from the beginning. Wow, what an incredible journey! And I think if I if I can pick a few themes from it is is you know you're you're persistent, um, and I really like that about you because. I think that's one thing we often miss, um, you know, when we are trying to bring about a change, be it a personal change or professional change or whatever it is, but you got to be persistent with that dream that you have. And no matter how many rejections you must have faced, you continued to try and like, you know, remain open to doors. And I think uh, that's that's one great advice that I can definitely take out from this. But there were a lot of others, but we'll, we'll touch on them as we go through our conversation. Uh, but 
you know, I no doubt you have a fantastic team with, with the three of you as as a co-founders for MedMe. So tell us a bit about MedMe, you know, uh, it has grown um, in the last two years. The pandemic has has really served as a blessing in disguise, um, I would say, to bring your vision to to the ground, right, and to reality. So let's uh, let's speak a little bit about MedMe and like you know what what's what what are some of the exciting things that you're doing right now? Yeah, for sure. I mean, where to start with that? Uh, <laughs> the, the the short version really is that we set out to create an operating system to mm-hmm. transform pharmacies into full on community health hubs. That's kind of the short version, and uh, the long the long version is that we had this um, this idea to uh, find ways um, through leveraging technology to um, really enhance pharmacy workflows so that pharmacists can deliver clinical Mm -hmm. services at scale. And that's looking at documentation automation, uh, workflow efficiency, being able to increase digital presence um, of a pharmacy by leveraging a scheduler and all of the efficiencies that come with that. And for us, that was a hypothesis that we had back in um, early 2019, as well as moving on to early 2020 in, in January, when we pivoted from a B2C business model to a B2B business model selling directly to pharmacies. And so that was before the pandemic that we had this overarching ethos. And I, I think it's important to note because we did have a lot of growth during the pandemic because things were changing on a dime and pharmacies needed to adapt in ways that they never had before. And we were there with them every step of the way supporting them, whether it's looking at launching the first flu season that's going to be focused on scheduled appointments for the first time ever in pharmacy, yes. or helping pharmacies deal with the changing eligibility criteria on a per province basis for COVID <laughs> vaccinations. And with changing eligibility, changing documentation, changing requirements, all of that was what we kind of focused on supporting pharmacies because that's the support that they needed. But I think in the backdrop of that was also uh, a slow but surely um, change in digital transformation across the pharmacy landscape. Mm -hmm. And pharmacies realizing that they can leverage digital tools to support them in really optimizing their workflows. Like for for example, Our scheduler and documentation system has shown to consistently save like five to 15 minutes per appointment for pharmacies, especially when it's for families like groups of three, groups of six. And that's an efficiency gain that pharmacies may have never seen before or never thought that they could leverage some sort of tool to help them in that way. And I think for us, that was uh, the the entirety of, you know, 2020 and 2021 was a huge learning experience in Mm -hmm. how we can understand pharmacies needs, uh, pivot very quickly to serve them and be able to bring value to pharmacies in that way. And so our growth really, we had maybe 50 pharmacies in the summer of 2020. And then um, by 2021, we were probably around like a thousand pharmacies. <laughs> and then now we have over 3,500 pharmacies That's across Canada. So that, that trajectory, definitely a lot of growth and a lot of learning in, um, the diversity of pharmacy practice yes. across Canada. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely been a whirlwind. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's it's been incredible to see because I think it also has, um, you know, made us open to innovation more so as a profession, if I can speak to, to that as, you know, as someone who has seen the profession kind of evolve over the pandemic and be more open to change, because uh, I know we had a bit more of a rigid view of, you know, how we operated and what was business like normal, right? Um, and that has changed. And, you know, commend Med me for that, because I think uh, you were one of the pioneers when it came to digitizing community pharmacies and, and you know, that uh, 
speaks volumes um, and I'm sure you have a lot of stories to tell in terms of the resistance you may have faced in those early dialogues that you were having to you know sign up your first customers um, to to even like you know try out your platform right so let's uh, I would like to hear a bit more about that in terms of you know how difficult was it for pharmacies to adopt these services and like you know what were some of the challenges that you had to overcome as a business to make MedMe a success? Yeah, uh, I would say that our biggest competitor has always been the status quo. And that's just <laughs> been a consistent theme kind of throughout our entire journey. And even now, and status quo being paper and pen <laughs> and fax and sometimes Excel spreadsheets in, in the best of ways. And that's that in itself has been very interesting to see because we we know the like efficiency gains and benefits that mm. leveraging a tool can can support and, and change in pharmacies, but the resistance to try something new, to take on the training and change management that's needed, that's definitely been the most challenging um, hurdle that we've had to overcome. And mm. so we really did focus a lot of our work on building uh, full-on playbooks and uh, contextualized training materials so right. that it could uh, our software could be very much out of the box that it's not just you know a training manual that tells you how to use it but how do you use it in your practice what are the workflow considerations when it comes to you know um, the day before the day of afterwards like exactly um, really creating that playbook to support pharmacies in their adoption and how they can get the most value out of our platform for them. Uh, so like that change management piece, I think still remains, especially when it comes to virtual care and virtual mm -hmm. care provision of pharmaceutical services. That uh, has um, definitely remained uh, quite low in adoption, despite mm. all of the fervor and fanfare over the, uh, the last number of years. And, you know, despite enabling legislation, it's never really been something that's been picked up. And I mm. think that the the main problem lies in just how far it is from what we said the status quo being the biggest competitor like doing virtual care requires new equipment changing and upending workflows finding new spaces um, changing patient behavior and expectations and I think that was just too much to bite off in one go for pharmacies to go from zero to a hundred in that way, especially when pharmacies were already having kind of challenges going from zero to 50%, which would mm -hmm. be kind of leveraging a scheduler, whether that be a Google calendar or a MedMe software, um, that was already a lot, a huge jump, right? So it's, it's very interesting to see, but I think mm -hmm. now um, coming out on the other end in 2022, we are seeing a change in perspective of what pharmacies realize that they have to do and right. really changing their digital presence, focusing and investing in having a digital front door. We see more pharmacies investing in website creation, mm -hmm. SEO, search engine optimization, optimizing their Google business yes. and leveraging, you know, online OTC delivery platforms or Shopify or OT deliveries, and really now investing in a new, I would like to say like a pharmacy tech stack, like in, in any company, there's a tech stack and use a number of different yes. things. Now I think there's more interest, acknowledgement of the importance and ultimately investment into that pharmacy tech stack. And we're, I think just in the nascent stages of mm -hmm. seeing where that could go and where pharmacies take it, uh, which is really, really exciting. Um, to, it's really exciting to be within the pharmacy ecosystem and innovating within the pharmacy ecosystem in this stage of um, of change and, yes. and change in perceptions and willingness of pharmacies. So we're, we're really at a cusp right now. And um, I uh, one thing that is still a challenge now is, you know, pharmacist burnout. There's been mm -hmm. so much burnout over, over the pandemic. And um, it's difficult to take on new challenges and new horizons when pharmacists themselves are have been stretched so, so thin. And I, I think this is an opportunity for 
um, like companies like ours to really support in more ways than one um, and really empower pharmacists to do things that they are, that they truly value to provide that the care that they want to um, as as we kind of round this curve. So really exciting, still challenges, but uh, I'm looking forward to where where everything goes. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and and I can so agree with you. I think the biggest competitor continues to be status quo because it's still it's it's where the comfort is, right? Um, but then uh, for us to make any changes, we definitely have to take that leap of faith. And I think uh, platforms such as MedMe provide uh, that, you know, kind of a secure landing, if I could say that, at least you will know that you'll have somebody that you can rely on who understands your workflow, because obviously, um, and, and and I think what I am seeing, and it's a very positive change in our profession is we are becoming more open to change and we're becoming more, um, you know, knowledgeable about the different technologies and the impacts they have on the work we do. Um, and I think, um, you know, if we are able to somehow cater to that awareness and, and that empowerment and allow pharmacists to, um, you know, become um, more in tune with technology but at the same time also making sure that the technology is created so that the workflows are truly optimized and not just you know on paper optimized right because let's all be honest uh burnout is real and as you rightly mentioned um you know staffing shortages uh, everything else included it, the the community pharmacy has been busier than it has ever been before um and this is something i consistently hear from so many of my friends and colleagues and i'm sure you hear that too so anything that can help reduce even like, you know, a second or two seconds or three seconds off of something that you're doing would, would make a huge difference when you're looking for it from a volume perspective. So thank you for bringing that, uh, that change that was so, so needed. Um, and I think I'll jump to that because um, obviously there's challenges to entrepreneurship, absolutely. But then there's always some really good highlights and achievements that we should always celebrate because uh, I think that gives us the motivation uh, to then go move forward, right, from from this new this new high that we have. So what are some of the highlights and achievements from the pandemic, especially for MedMe, anything for you, uh, you know, from a personal professional perspective as well? Yeah, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share that. I think um, maybe celebrate <laughs> our achievements is not something I'm too used to doing, um, given uh, my uh, background. <laughs> um, and uh, my mother would always say, no, you should have to look at how you can improve and yes. celebrations of, you know, <laughs> what you've done isn't, isn't too common. But it's done with. I, I think, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think one thing um, that comes to mind as kind of a proud moment for myself and for MedMe is when COVID vaccines were first available in pharmacies um, in Canada, it was in Alberta and mm -hmm. Alberta was the first province yes. to be able to launch it and offer it to patients through pharmacies. And um, our team, you know, worked around the clock to get things up and running. So we had a working live um, wait list and booking page with full eligibility and documentation documentation prepared for patients on um, the first day that once the government, the government made the announcement, our pages were live and all of the MedMe customers had their pages kind of up and ready to serve farm, to serve patients and um, reduce phone calls and all of that versus, um, you know, certain other pharmacies and our competitors weren't ready. And I felt genuinely so proud of our um, response. Yes. Um, to support, uh, you know, patients and, and the general public and being prepared and being an agile startup to be able to do that mm -hmm. in such a timely manner is something that um, I hold very dear. And I still have a screenshot of um, <laughs> the, because everything is virtual. So I have a screenshot of kind of our page and, and the competitors pages on that day. And it's something that still moves me to tears when wow. I tell it. Um, to new onboards because it's it really cuts to the core of like why we are doing what we are doing and the impact that we want to make um, at, at at scale. Um, so that's like one story I definitely want to get out there. Um, I, I think perhaps in terms of numbers, um, just in I believe in 2021 alone, mm -hmm. um, our platform supported the uh, scheduling and administration of over 2.2 million COVID vaccine. Wow. Dose. 
That's um, amazing. So <laughs> a lot, a lot of, of COVID vaccinations and to date as well, we've had over 20 million unique patient kind of visits and interactions with our platform. And I just think about the scale of that, like the scale of 20 million people is really insane to me. And is something that you're able to see now with this digital landscape. Um, but uh, just to think that something that uh, Nick Pori and myself had an idea of yes, um, yes. back, you know, just a couple of years ago is now able to impact this many patients and number of thousands of pharmacists and making their workflow easier. Mm -hmm. um, that's something I'm really proud of and really like proud of my team for coming together to make this happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's definitely an achievement worth celebrating uh, for years to come. Right. Um, I mean, I can relate uh, from an coming from a South Asian background myself. I know like we don't celebrate successes as much. It's more like, OK, you're done that now move on. <laughs> Achieved one checklist done next. <laughs> so I can completely relate to that. But at the same time, I think it's important to celebrate and and, and what you achieved um, with that, with what you shared is it's incredible. Um, you know, from a startup, and I think like really you like you know you had an MVP at one point, and like for from there to kind of become ready to launch, um, and, and you know be live and ready to go on the day that it needed to go. I think it's spectacular. It speaks volumes to, as you said, it's a rightly a team effort, absolutely. But at the same time, it, it speaks to the passion you bring to the table. And that has always, uh, you know, it, like you, it's a quality of yours that I've always admired. Is is you're very passionate and love that about you. And I think it's, it also is is why you are an inspiration, right? Because I think uh, what you have achieved is no small feat, uh, Ri, and I think you should celebrate that every single day. Um, but given, um, you know, there's, a, a, I'm sure just like myself, there's a lot of other pharmacists, especially women pharmacists who look up to you. Um, and, you know, uh, because of uh, the the many hats you wear as an innovator, as a pharmacist, as an entrepreneur, um, you know, it would be great if you could uh, shed some light uh, to, you know, what motivated you to, uh, I guess, well, not necessarily motivation, but it's like, you know, what inspired you to um, challenge the status quo? Uh, and I guess this is more from your own kind of like personal perspective, like, you know, from you as a pharmacist, like what really motivated you? You did allude to this a little bit earlier, but I think, you um, you know, as a leader, you've you've grown strength to strength, and it would be great to hear how how did you keep your head up uh, with all the challenges that you faced and to reach the stage that you're at today. I would say that my north star uh, throughout all of this was um, to build a better and more scalable, sustainable, patient-centered future mm -hmm. for pharmacy. That was my north star um, uh, pre-startup during the startup and still now like and these are values that are mimicked and shared across my co-founders and across the company in the impact that we want to make on the healthcare system as a whole so that's really been the north driving star now um, just because you have a north star doesn't mean you don't stumble and you don't feel um, like you are not good enough, that you yes. can't continue, that you want to give up. And I've had my fair share of all of the those feelings throughout the years that uh, I've been in this journey. And it's been hard. It's been a real roller coaster. And I've been stretched in ways that I never thought I would. I, I feel there's this thing that we say where we grow 10 times every three months. And that's because we have to pick up new skills. We have to do things we've never done before. We have to have really tough and difficult conversations and make very difficult decisions um, on behalf of the company in order for us to secure this North Star future that we have for, um, for the pharmacy ecosystem as a whole. And I think uh, for me personally, one of the most difficult um, mental barriers I had was uh, was uh, it was this mental belief that I held of myself as just a clinician that right. I didn't fit the mold of what a traditional entrepreneur founder um, from that like maybe dropped out of an Ivy League school or is an engineer or was an engineer at yes. Facebook, Apple or Netflix. And they started coding something from the garage and then they built something big, you know, that's not something that I 
ever saw in myself or really saw um, shown too much in the media of like a founder. And Mm. I think breaking that mold uh, or breaking that box I had put myself in as I am a clinician um, was probably the most difficult part because we, it's easy, whether it's personal or society or just what you know of like this is this is my box this is my line um I'm interested in these things but I am a clinician it's that's really the hardest piece to break out of to see how many transferable skills you have as a clinician that the being a founder doesn't mean you have to look or after have these different pedigrees or experiences that what really being a founder means to me is um, solving real problems at scale and really understanding what those problems are and rallying a group of people to change that like one brick at a time. Yes, and yes. and you don't have to, you know, uh, have all these previous experiences or backgrounds or even be a coder in order to do that. And um, for, for me, you know, that that learning curve was so steep, despite some of the previous, you know, non-traditional experiences I've had. And I constantly doubted myself and constantly had that imposter syndrome of, you know, what am I doing? I don't know any of this. Like, how am I like expected to lead a team and, and grow on this? Um, but it was very much trial by fire and a solidifying of like my own belief and breaking that mental barrier that I had like one challenge by one challenge and by the time that you look back you're like whoa I like went through all these roadblocks I guess I'm pretty damn capable (laughs) (laughs) and I have the ability to stretch and grow in these different ways and I feel like I have made really great decisions and and I think it was through experience and and looking back and reflecting on my own journey that helped me build that resilience and confidence um in how how and what I could achieve I also do have to note that I have the most supportive co-founders and they believed in me deeply before I believed in myself. Um, In the early days uh, when we were founding the company, when we were learning about like marketing and all these other um, startup (laughs) things in the, in the beginning, I had a lot of self-doubt and it was them kind of coming to me and sitting me down and, and really uh, like uh, talking me through my thoughts and sharing their deep-seated belief in me that I was the right person to go on this journey with them that helped me gain the confidence and I think sometimes you need people who believe in you more than yourself because that helps ground you and that gives you a a safe place to build your own confidence to move forward and so so I think having the support systems of others and mentors and uh, Uh, entrepreneurship ecosystem is so vital for anyone who's looking to innovate especially people who look like me (laughs) and and who may not see other people that look like them um, in doing some of these different things so yeah I've been quite fortunate and uh, I'm really looking forward to where this journey continues to take me Absolutely. And I, I think you, you've, you've nailed it really well, because I think, um, you know, and as, as a clinician, I can so relate to those, those struggles, right? Uh, I think it's also part of the training we receive, because it is so evidence based, and because we're always looking for evidence to like, you know, before we even make any recommendation, it's like, entrepreneurship does not necessarily have evidence, right? You're, you're here, you are trying to create evidence to support your idea that you have. And, and it's a complete contrast to the training and the personalities that we have as clinicians. And it definitely takes a bit of time to break that mold to kind of feel comfortable uh, with the uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> um, and I guess, uh, you know, I, I think it's always great to uh, to have clinician leaders like yourself um, to, you know, to have such conversations with, because I think, um, you know, these are so much more relatable on a level that we know what the struggles are, right, on a personal level. And and so it's, it's so much more relatable. So I guess what advice do you have for any clinicians who are aspiring to become innovators or have a have an idea that they want to bring to life but maybe facing these inner struggles like you know what advice would you have for them own it (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and and I say that because I think 
being a clinician or having that healthcare experience, that true lived experience of caring for patients and being in like these different patient stories and understanding the challenges and struggles of the system, that gives you such a unique and important perspective when it comes to creating any sort of solution. And I think we need more of that in the entire ecosystem. People who understand deeply the nuances of the problems, especially because healthcare is so complex. It's not just as simple as, hey, let's digitize this and it'll solve the problem. It's it's never that naively simple. And it's the true people who have worked within the system, who have mm-hmm. seen firsthand and, and felt the pains of their patients not being able to access X, Y, or Z, or, or their patients relapsing or worsening on their chronic disease that care and understand the need for bigger systemic solutions. And so that's why I say own it, own your experience. Don't shy away because you are just a clinician. You are not just a clinician. You are someone with a a wealth of experience within healthcare problems. Mm -hmm. You're someone with exceptional communication skills and exceptional empathy that allows you to collaborate much closer with people from any background and any experience. Mm -hmm. You have very strong detail-oriented skills because that is (laughs) drilled into your education and that makes your quality of work just so much higher than the status quo and you have an ability to solve complex problems and be able to work on the fly just thinking about all the things in a community pharmacy that happens when you have maybe four or five different problems thrown on you at once you can easily prioritize delegate and handle those problems all at once those are all incredible skills that we have as pharmacists and clinicians that we can bring to whatever workplace that we end up to. And whether it's in the dispensary, whether it's uh, at a healthcare startup, whether it's in government, no matter where it is, these are definitely skills that we can own and we can use to empower change within wherever we're working in. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't have said that better. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Because I think, yeah, that we have, I, I, and I truly believe in what you just mentioned is like, we already have those skills within us. It's just a matter of, you know, being comfortable with the uncomfortable, if I can repeat myself. <laughs> um, and, and, and it's so true, because, you know, I can, I can see my myself in that in that box, right, when you had mentioned it, uh, like, I could, I could see myself being in that situation not too far long ago um and and you know trying to break out of it and trying to find my identity but uh it, it is unfortunately sometimes very tough work that you got to do but uh once you do it trust me the the outcomes of it can surprise you and the world and create solutions that can actually you know help us all uh live better lives uh uh but yeah anyways i'm not gonna go into that uh uh, we'll we'll keep this to re-admit me for today um but uh i think you know you've you've touched on this and and this is uh this is something that is also very dear to both of us because we're so passionate about pharmacy and the profession that we were part of but how can we promote innovation you know more in community pharmacy because uh you did you did mention how you know there's more and more tools coming out especially digital health has kind of taken a boom since the pandemic um you know we are are having new innovations come through but i'm not necessarily sure of the the quality of those innovations not everything meets the par but like how can we you know kind of promote innovation within the pharmacy profession um you know it's like canadian perspective global perspective however you want to frame that Yeah, I I feel that um, like we tend to gravitate towards like what can us as pharmacists do? What can us as individuals do to promote and encourage? But I feel like I want to put out there in the universe that the onus uh, needs to be within the system as well, that the systems aren't necessarily optimized or even like enabling of innovation and entrepreneurship like we talk about this box right and it's very difficult to color outside the lines or go out of that box when this box is imposed on us very strongly from certain um, disabling legislation or specific like government requirements. Mm -hmm. And we know that it's often when you color outside of the box, when you're exploring new things, that innovation happens. 
And so if the box is so stringent, how does how do you get innovation to happen within right. that? And so for me, I think um, one really key element is having more enabling legislation and collaboration with government bodies to actually drive um, uh, innovation within pharmacy. And, and the reason I say that is there's a lot of unclear expectations and um, unclearly written policies and regulations that, that really put the onus on pharmacists themselves and make it very difficult for pharmacies to implement new programs or try new things or implement new software and, and new workflows or mm -hmm. being able to play in the sandbox and playground of some of the newer technologies that have come up, but it's, it's difficult for them to actually do that. And so um, what I'd like to see to really promote more pharmacy entrepreneurship and innovation is more cross-collaboration, more transparency mm -hmm. and communication uh, between, you know, government organizations and in pharmacy so that we can actually have the room to explore and test out new models of care and um, allow like a collaborative conversation and a relationship yes. to see how we can make things better and what are the must-have considerations because I understand that they're they're very worried to make sure safeguards are in place so how can we set clear best practices and standards to ensure that the most important safeguards are in place when it comes to patient data and pharmacist workflow so pharmacists are educated and very aware of the best practices needed but then also provide that flexibility that malleability and that conversation to move forward the profession because I, mm -hmm. I think if we don't have that then pharmacists will always be scared of being reprimanded they'll be scared of coloring outside the lines and we won't be able to have the innovation that we need I think one second thing that's also really important that has been a huge hindrance for pharmacy innovation is the closing off of pharmacy data and how not interoperable yes. it is and so if we have all of the patient pharmacy data enclosed in archaic pharmacy management systems that haven't really innovated in a number of years and that and it's like drilling teeth to try and yes. get that data and that information and it's only held um, by a few players within the market and held very tightly by mm -hmm. these few players that's gonna hinder innovation um no matter who is doing the innovating and ultimately upholding this information and not uh, passing it or allowing for better integration ultimately hinders patient care and hinders ourselves as a profession. So I would like to put into the ether that let's not only put it on ourselves as what we can do as pharmacists. So yes. we've done a lot of advocacy. We have a lot of different communities and, you know, pharmacists, entrepreneurship, entrepreneurs are are growing at an expansive rate but I think we need system level change I agree a hundred and thousand percent if I could uh, <laughs> but uh, no interoperability oh my goodness let's uh, you know that's a topic in itself uh, for another date another time um, but I, I I so agree like I feel like the data is so packed that and and that has always remained one of the biggest challenges for a profession is because, you know, we cannot necessarily evaluate our impact unless we have access to that data. And maybe that's one of the reasons why we have not been able to define ourselves more clearly, um, you know, in terms of what can a pharmacist bring to the table or what can pharmacy do for the healthcare system. Um, and, you know, yes, the last two years have been great, but I think it's also because of the pandemic that, you know, we were kind of tapped into. Had it been other circumstances, I always wonder if uh, that would have been the case or not. Uh, but, you know, kudos to all the work that was that has happened. MedMe has also helped, um, you know, in kind of um, helping that pharmacy wave and making sure the pharmacies adapted so that they could uh, you know provide those necessary services during the pandemic 
uh, but definitely a lot of room for us to improve and explore. And if, if anything we can take away from our conversation, you've shared some great, great insights. So I'm sure you've inspired a few minds uh, to bring their ideas to life. And I'm, I'm, and I'm hoping that we'll see those fruits uh, come to life in the next uh, few months, if, if not uh, in a year or so. But as we wrap up our conversation, I, 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 you know, I would, I always ask these questions to my guests because I always want to pick your brain in terms of, you know, how do you describe the future of pharmacy in the next five years? I think it's an exciting time, but it very much depends on like what we do um, and what uh, what we're able the change that we're able to make like mm-hmm. I think there's two there's always two sides to it there's the patient side and there's the pharmacist side we talked a lot about the pharmacist side and, and the changes that pharmacists are making but we haven't really touched upon the far uh, the patient side and I think the patient side is really what also drives transformation and we we see now in 2022 that there's such um a, a normal for all business businesses to have a digital presence. I think Mm -hmm. we see that in banking. We see that in restaurants. Now, like when you go to a restaurant, do you call them? No, you go to their open table or whatever. You make a reservation, put yourself on the wait list. Even when I walk in, you put yourself on a wait list, right? That's uh, QR codes. That's that's all normalized. And expectation is is there now for what patients and individuals expect of the businesses that they frequent. And so I think there's a huge opportunity here for um, pharmacies to step up to this new expectation and be being able to leverage some of these digital channels to drive and diversify their revenue away from kind of purely focusing on right. dispensing, being able to uh, look at, say, what we talked about earlier, like online delivery platforms, whether um, or payment systems for um, out-of-pocket clinical services that mm-hmm. are being done and, and really being able to engage engage their patients in that digital landscape um, by having that digital front door. Um, I think we also are seeing a change and we do have to press for this change where there's that behavior change of people instead of, you know, calling a pharmacy as the first line to do anything. And we know how much that hinders the workflow and how disruptive it could be. Can we funnel, you know, these, this interest to other ways to present that information, action on that information without just purely like patient to pharmacy phone call for anything Mm -hmm. that's needed. And for example, like when we look at minor ailments coming up in Ontario, uh, the demographic, the patient demographic for minor ailments is going to be quite different than, you know, a regular patient demographic for uh, the most frequent service, like a flu shot, right? And so Mm -hmm. when we look at this age demographic, how do they expect to get information? How do they expect to get care? What do they value? And so can we think about new ways to uh, connect and um, be there for these people in the way that they're more used to being connected. And so I think that's definitely the direction for patients Mm. that we're seeing the demand. And I I look forward to that transformation happening more and more from the pharmacy side and in landing to that digital model. Um, I think on top of that, though, as well, you see um, the future kind of driving towards a hybrid model. I don't think there will, for pharmacy, there'll ever be kind of, uh, you know, you have your venture-backed online pharmacies that are focused on cost and convenience, but I truly believe that the future of pharmacy is focused on on how can we best leverage the physical brick and mortar stores that are truly community health hubs for patients where, especially in rural communities where there is no doctor's office for many kilometers, this is the place where people go to get care. Mm -hmm. So how can we build on top of that and not see things as so black and white as digital or physical how can we really build that hybrid model to optimize um, for the things that can be digitized or automated, but then focus on the areas, especially when it comes to chronic disease management, that we do best at, that 
pharmacies can really diversify their revenue in. And I think that's the real opportunity for pharmacies that can really leverage this hybrid model, uh, bring in that tech stack that works for this new wave of um, patient behavior and expectations, as well as really diversifying their revenue away from just dispensing, because uh, we see consolidation of players within the pharmacy ecosystem. We see huge amounts of money being put into uh, vertical distribution yes. of drugs when it comes to online pharmacy players. So we, it's going to be very hard for you know, your independent pharmacy to compete with these Goliaths. Um, and so where is the opportunity? Where can um, especially independent pharmacies drive their value? It's really in looking at this change that we're seeing and um, adapting to that and being open to bring in new tools to change the way they work and really innovating and exploring and coloring a little bit outside of the lines because that's when we can further define or make that box bigger yes. by showing how things can change. And that's really how we convince government and reimbursement to um, provide us compensation for a lot of these things as well. Absolutely. Wow. You've painted a beautiful future. Thank you for that. <laughs> and I and I and I'm really hopeful that uh, you know that's the future that we are headed towards. I, I agree with you. Like the hybrid model um, is the way to go. And 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 if anything, it actually and will help us achieve better patient outcomes than just a completely virtual or uh, a physical uh, model that um, you know that you described earlier and I guess uh, you have touched a bit briefly on this while you were um, answering that question but like, what is the future of digital health technology I guess in the next uh, five years like you know what what are some trends that you see uh, that will gain prominence over the next five years it's really interesting and and the space is um, uh, rapidly expanding as well. We know that, the, and it's also it's also probably hurting a little bit by this global recession that we're in and yes. Um, yes. the reduction of venture money. And so for newer companies, it's a lot harder to get funding to take their first steps. And so we're, we're in a very interesting and dynamic space where there are, you know, big movements in the kind of the online, like prescription based, like item based space, where it's a lot of investment in, um, in that distribution and in automating that distribution and making the per unit cost cheaper, you know, right. there's definitely a lot of investment in that. And we'll definitely see that both from the pharmacy and consumer lens. Um, but we also have, um, I think outside of the pharmacy space within kind of the medicine and, and uh, other space, like a lot more integration and interoperability. And I bring this back is because we see how much that's grown within the medical and primary care space, mm -hmm. but we are so lagging in the pharmacy space. And because the frameworks, um, like the FIRE framework, for instance, for integration has been set for a number of years. It has enough of a foundation for innovation to occur and integrations of, say, say wearables or et cetera, to connect to that mm. versus we don't even have a foundation and we don't have a common language right now in pharmacy it's going to make it a lot harder for any sort of standardization or consistency um, moving forward there. So, you know, to answer your question, you see this happening within the digital uh, digital health space and you're right, seeing right. Um, that mass amounts of data being able to show patterns and analytics mm -hmm. in how care is delivered and how we can optimize care. And I think that's really the direction that we need to push pharmacy into um, because we can't be such laggards within the digital health ecosystem. We need to be step in step or even like one step behind rather than many steps behind or else others will make that decision for us or else exactly. we won't have the agency to determine what is best for our patients and what is best for our business. Mm -hmm. It's going to be decided by another massive corporation or someone else. And so I think this is really the opportunity for us to advocate, to um, get the right voices um, together in a table and drive that innovation towards this 
better vision of interoperability that we're seeing happen in other domains. Absolutely. I, I so agree. And I'm, I'm hoping um, that, you know, that's um, as a profession, we're able to kind of steer our profession to that direction where, you know, at least we can bring ourselves up to speed um, so that and healthcare digitization is also fairly new, right, uh, where the pandemic kind of pushed that whole wave. So it's still not too late for us to join the party, um, if I may say that. <laughs> uh, but I think the sooner we do it, the better, because then we could also be leaders, right? Um, and we could also be then, like, you know, seen as as a, as a profession who could potentially guide other professions to digital adoption as well. So I think uh, there's there's a lot of opportunities um, there for us as a profession for us to get, take if we can. Uh, but I think we all need to come together to to raise that and ask for those things, uh, for us to be given those things. Um, and I guess as my last question, uh, one advice for current students um, and also new graduates or anyone really in pharmacy who's, you know, who's either looking to innovate or are they, as they're preparing to enter the profession, any advice that you have for them, um, you know, from a pharmacist lens and as an innovator? Yeah, I'm going to take a page out of your book, you know, be comfortable <laughs> with the uncomfortable. And I think that's so true because um, we are in such a rapidly changing space and things are going to be ambiguous. Things are going to be uncomfortable. And I think the best skill or mindset that you can equip yourself with is being malleable within that mm -hmm. um, change and being able to quickly adapt to um, whatever is happening. And I, I think there's so many more opportunities now than there were before. Um, there's communities, there are um, more companies innovating within the space and more just general more awareness of what pharmacists can do. Like we have like almost five pharmacists who've on in MedMe who have transformed into other careers as a product manager, as an operations lead and, wow. and within business development. And um, those are true cases of pharmacists turned X, Y, or Z. And I think we're going to see that more and more. I have colleagues who um, are uh, doing their master's of health informatics and working mm -hmm. in digital health innovation in the government levels or in uh, in industry. And we're seeing that really proliferate. So I'm really excited for um, current students and new graduates to um, dip their toes in the water, explore as many opportunities opportunities as you can. Um, and don't be too fixated on one path or an existing path through the forest. Like, yeah. trust me that if any time is the time, now is the time where you can um, carve your own path through the forest. And I think given, you know, the large amounts of burnout in the profession, it's even more important to think critically and reflect about what you want your future to look like and then creating that future for yourself. Because the often if you um, walk down a pre-prescribed path, you may feel very discouraged at the end of it because that may not be the future that you want or the day-to-day -day reality that you're looking for. And so how can you create? And it doesn't have to be within entrepreneurship or tech. It could be within your individual community pharmacy. It could be within your community or whatever it is. It is, I think, um, time for us to take up the mantle and and carve out a future for ourselves that we want that we're aspired to work in that we feel empowered and we feel like we are generating that impact that we initially came into this profession for for patients in the healthcare community as a whole and I think the timing is right for all of you to go ahead and grab that. Thank you so much, Reed. What an inspi inspirational end to the conversation, if I could say that. Uh, thank you so much for sharing such wise words. And again, this is exactly why I admire you. Uh, <laughs> you have that you have that maturity, and I and I, I and I adore that trait because it's you know I think for a good leader, it's it's always important to understand not just the one aspect, but entire like the sequence which leads you know your one your one move can have so many multiple ripple effects and um, to understand that uh, it takes 
um, it takes um, a different way of thinking and a different way of viewing things. So thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm, I'm sure you have inspired me. So if you were able to do that, I, I'm sure you have, you have inspired a lot of other new students. And I hope whoever is listening, um, you know, will will take your advice and, and try to do something out of the box and follow what their heart wants rather than, you know, what has already been done before, uh, because that's where the true fun lies in, in, you know, exploring and finding out more about yourself too, right? So learn a little later my life but I'm hoping that nobody else makes that mistake that I did <laughs> but it's never too late if I could if I'm a testament to that it's never too late <laughs> um, with that said thank you so much for your time uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation um, you have shared some amazing tidbits and I, I can't wait uh, for this talk to go live so that you know everyone else benefits from this conversation as well um, and I look forward to you know the great things you have uh, planned for yourself and for MedMe um, and you know I hope to have you back on the podcast again in the future to share a similar conversation another time for sure for sure thank you so much this has been definitely a pleasure uh, to start my day with and uh, such a such a great conversation and I want to continue you know these sorts of conversations because it's really in having um, uh, having this discourse that helps us propel the profession forward and bring up to the forefront, you know, things that we see as challenges in our perspective, uh, in our unique perspectives. And um, I encourage anyone who's listening to this comment, um, please, whether you're seeing this on LinkedIn, whether wherever you're seeing this, please engage, engage, yes. let's have a discussion, let's talk about this more and find uh, opportunities where we can change things. Because it's really with that, also from that grassroots movement that we're able to um, make our voice heard. So thank you so much for giving me the opportunity and creating the space for folks to come together and discuss and yeah, looking forward forward to seeing where my journey takes me and what other insights that I'd, uh, I'd love to share with the audience in a future time. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, uh, Ree, once again, and all the very best with the future that awaits you. Um, and with that, we're going to sign off. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for this conversation. And as we mentioned, make sure you comment below what inspires you to be the change that you wish to see. Um, and maybe that's what we'll start off with our conversations. But also, you know, we have a lot of things to accomplish together. So let's work together on that. And with that, bye bye. <laughs> 